0: Welcome to Right to Food, the podcast from the Food Foundation. I'm Dara, and I'm one of the global youth leaders of Act for Food, Act for Change.
1: I'm Ryan, and I'm part of a team of young food ambassadors from across the country, working with the Food Foundation to create better access to good food for everyone.
0: But this week, we're in Ryan's hometown of Glasgow at COP26 to meet up with other youth leaders from around the world. We're all part of Act for Food, Act for Change campaign, which is calling for food and climate justice, and we're taking our message to the most powerful decision makers in the world.
2: The region from ICOM is the most vulnerable regions, where people are very suffering without water and there's girls I work with, youths in Nicaragua, girls that have to walk kilometers to get water, to drink water, and the climate change effects are affecting that.
1: Deb is one of my fellow ambassadors at the Food Foundation and it was great to march with him along with a hundred thousand young climate protesters from Kelvin Grove Park to Glasgow Green. So what do you think, COP in
3: your home city,
4: right uh, at home? I love it. Like, I've always said that people make Glasgow and the more people that are here the better. COP26 is going to you know, shed a light on why Glasgow is a great city, why the people want to make Climate change, you know, the the biggest pressing issue that's happening, and I think generally in Scotland, our government has one of the most world-leading targets on climate change possible. We want to be net zero by 2030, further targets towards 2045. So, I think it's great that you know the UK is hosting it, and it's most of it's happening in Glasgow.
5: Food systems haven't really been mentioned at this COP directly. Food systems make up approximately 30% of our global emissions. If we don't tackle food, then we don't tackle climate change. So I think
4: we, we in Scotland probably have a big problem with too much food waste generally, and it scares me that you know you know almost a third of our you know waste disposal is through the, the food systems. Um, I suppose we, we know that we need to do a lot better at how we locally produce a lot of food, but then knowing that it actually can make the supermarkets as well at a reasonable price. So. There's a lot of work to do and this is just, you know, you'd think this is just the start of it, but we should have been doing a lot of this before COP26.
0: But it was also a great opportunity to spend time with young people just like me who believe passionately in the urgent need to change the way we eat and the way we live.
2: People everywhere who see through the hypocrisy of governments claiming to be climate
6: leaders on one hand and then opening new oil fields and coal mines with the other. People everywhere who know that climate change has already devastated millions of most affected people around the world and who know that, like everything, it is those with the least means and the least responsibility who will be hit the hardest and forced to clean up the mess. The temperature is rising. From the suburbs to the schemes, I promise you that.
7: The oppressive systems of capitalism and white supremacy. Who tell us the action needed to prevent sea level rise engulfing my ancestral home in Jamaica is impossible or not practical.
1: And of course, the loudest voice of them all.
7: They cannot ignore our screams as we reclaim our power. We are tired of their blah, blah, blah. Our leaders are not leading. This is what leadership looks like.
0: As speakers rallied the crowds, Dev spotted Jack Harries, formerly one half of YouTube legends Jack's Gap, and now an activist filmmaker. He was at COP to screen his new film, Seat at the Table. Massive
8: fan. Um,
2: (laughs) (laughs) So what impact do you think young people will
5: have at COP? We're leading the conversation outside. This is where the real conversation is happening.
9: I mean, I think they have a huge impact. This is the only thing in my mind that does have real impact. If you look at the last two and a half years, young people have taken to the streets, they've come together, they've organised and they've created a true sense of urgency. And you look at the speeches inside COP26, the only reason they're saying what they're saying is because young people are organising. They have the moral authority, they have the ability to create change.
1: With events happening across the whole city, there were so many people to network with and the opportunity to find out so much more about how young people feel about climate change. I met Ariel. It's with the World Wide Fund for Nature. I work on Eat for Change with WWF, which is the campaign to raise awareness on the impact of food around Europe and in the Amazon. Um, I'm very excited to be at COP. Yeah, I hope that we get what we want. <laughs> Climate justice.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything from COP so far that you've welcomed, any announcements, you know, anything particular
10: that's...
1: Yeah, well, the Galapagos extending their conservation area by 50%
10: was a great
1: thing. Yeah, and then there's also the methane targets, because methane is, like, more of an immediate effect, Uh, greenhouse gas, unlike... Yeah, so that's a pretty big thing. I don't know, like what will be the outcome of yet? but I've yeah. got my hopes up, because next week is like the real big
0: week. Young people everywhere had really clear ideas about the role of food in the climate crisis, as I found out. Lana is our youth leader from Brazil. Hi, this is Lana. I'm an Act for Food, Act for Change youth leader, and I think that plant-based diets are necessary because uh, plant-based eating is one of the least resource-intensive, least emissions-intensive, so clearly uh, one of the forms of most sustainable diets and eating when it comes to the climate
7: crisis and the environment. And even if we don't need to go 100% plant-based tomorrow, making that shift to more plant-based eating is really critical
0: because we can see that diets have a massive impact on climate and that food systems in general are necessary to have a transition in order to fight the climate crisis. So this is a key piece of the puzzle that we need in addition to a lot of other important efforts.
11: Hi, my name is Silke Böls and I'm a co-founding member of the Food at COP initiative. We are an international young grassroots organization and we have the campaign Food at COP that is advocating for climate-friendly food at climate conferences. And our campaign ask is to provide 100% plant-based food at COP26. Obviously COP26 is happening right now and there's only 50% plant-based food and uh, we see this as one step in the right direction and are still advocating for 100% plant-based at the next climate conferences. And the reason why is that we want the climate conferences to lower their greenhouse gas impact and their carbon footprint because they are really huge conferences with a huge impact. So food and the menu is one aspect that this footprint can be uh, minimized and that it's easy for the attendants to make a climate-friendly choice when they go to dinner.
1: My name is Kamjer. I'm from Belgium and part of the International Association of Students in Agricultural and Related Sciences. And I think we, first of all, we definitely need to shift our diets to more plant-based. If you would eat meat in the uh, the quantities that people in the south are eating it um, in the developing world, I think the world would be a better place. So let's say maybe one piece of meat per week. And I think that would also help the climate a lot. And I think if we spread this message... There would be a lot more people that would want to consider it than only saying we have to ban meat completely out of our diets.
0: I think it's really interesting that you say that because it's, it's hard to change diets and it's hard to change people's behaviours. So maybe giving them a, an opportunity to do it in, in a small portion at the beginning so you can get accustomed to it seems a lot more attainable. But thank you so much.
1: With so many people from all over the world watching the UK host this year's COP. It was vital that food was on the agenda with the impact of food production, one of the biggest contributors to the greenhouse gases and climate change, it had to reflect what the world needs us to eat. Dara went behind the scenes in the kitchens to meet the main man in charge of the catering at COP, Kevin Watson.
5: When I look at previous COPs, I think we've definitely um, had a more focus. Every We have 35 outlets um, on the in, in the venue between the Boulevard, the Hydro, the West Atrium. And every... Every outlet has plant-based and it has um, meat-based products in the splits that we spoke about. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, 40% plant-based, 60% overall vegetarian, another 40% coming from um, a a meat protein or an animal-based protein, so including fish. And I think, you know, have we made it accessible to everyone and covered off everyone's either accessible needs or cultural needs, then I, I think we have hit those targets. But one of the things that you've probably noticed is that we've been working with a, a Swedish company called Climato, um who have helped us do our carbon footprinting and labelling. So actually understanding what the carbon footprint is of every dish and putting that on the menu. So you've probably seen it It's a little uh, circle with uh, a wave in it. The lower the wave, the lower the carbon. That is educating people, but enabling people to make the right choice as well. But just to clarify, out of... of our menus actually sit in the low category. So we do have some in the high category, which is our plant forward burger and our venison stew, which is a high welfare meat. But actually, it's allowing people to go and say, "Okay, what choice do I want to make? So we've also made it accessible to everybody to make the right choice.
0: What happens when food is not eaten or the kitchen has excess? Is there a plan for what's been done with the waste or the extra food?
5: One of our key strategies is about um, the menu rotation. So we have a, a so the menu will run for the full week. So it's a week one and week two menu rotation. Mm-hmm. In some places, you know they would change the you would be forced to change the menus every day, or clients would request that. But actually, working with our client, uh, the COP. Uh, client who have been really embraced our food strategy we run a whole menu for week one and week two so that allowed us to just keep on pulling all the food forward if it's no not used today we bring that forward put all the new the food that comes in overnight Mm -hmm. for the next day so that's one way that's allowed us to work on our food waste and then the other one is about actually or using the whole vegetable which we've been rubbish at you know peeling carrots the the carrot skin is gorgeous when it's roasted we would do um, a bang bang cauliflower so taking the florets and putting them in breadcrumbs so serving that nice crisp floret but then actually taking the outer leaves shredding them and making it into the salad that we serve with that with barley awesome. so then you're using the whole vegetable and cutting down on your food waste
0: yeah. and have you done anything with the food that's like leftover that can still be consumed and going to maybe like soup kitchens or going to people that maybe need more food
5: yeah so we work with a local um a local uh, children's charity, and any of our low-risk, um, uh, non-perishable foods and, and perishable foods, mm-hmm. then after COP we will be sending that off to them, so like our stolt salt bars, crisps, fruit, um, stuff like that, yeah. all of that will go off-site.
0: Wonderful, thank you so much. There are plenty who criticised the decision for 60% of the dishes on the COP menu to include meat or dairy, but you never know who you'll meet in the queue for a vegan sausage roll. Yumna is the Birmingham Member of the Youth Parliament on Advocacy and a Food Foundation Ambassador. She was thrilled to bump into one of her food heroes.
7: I'm really, really, really excited because I just had the opportunity to meet Henry Dimbleby. He um, created the National Food Strategy along with um, an incredible group of passionate individuals and organizations who wanted to be um a part of you know food system transformation in the uk and it's been incredible having the conversation about you know what are the biggest biggest obstacles to achieving those recommendations and more importantly you know what can you know young people do like what can we actually do to push the bill across it's really really important that young people come together and can mobilize um and really pressure on the government and say well listen we really believe in this we believe our food system is broken and we need to do something fundamental to change it we need to change people's mindsets about the food system and we we will continue to pester the government we will continue to put pressure on them um and 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 essentially we do want to work with government we do want to work with businesses and industry but young people's voices have to be taken um, and directly embedded within in policy making.
0: And of course, there are plenty of people from the developing world whose lives are already devastated by the impact of climate change, and they want to know who's going to pick up the bill. Bernice, one of our global youth leaders from Nicaragua, met Batera from Fiji.
8: a lot of dialogue been going on, uh, the sharing of knowledge has been ongoing. However, what we need now is implementation. Fiji would uh, would push for the implementation of uh, uh, this knowledge in our local communities in regard to adaptation to climate change. And what do you think
2: about loss and damage?
8: Yes, yes, that is a very important topic for us. Uh, uh, Fiji and other Pacific islands have uh, come up with the with the idea uh, or with the mandate that uh, loss and damage is very much effective and uh, we are pushing for climate justice regarding to loss and damage. We are suffering out there in the small island development states, and why should we suffer on uh, on a daily basis if uh, there is no climate justice uh, after this COP?
2: Pelnice knows from first-hand experience what climate change looks like in his world. The, the region from ICOM is the most vulnerable regions where people are very suffering without water. And there's girls I work with, youths in Nicaragua, and there's, there's girls that have to walk kilometers to get water, uh, to drink water, and the climate change effects are affecting that. And especially hurricanes, we have three hurricanes in my country last year. So there's really human beings behind these negotiations.
0: Loss and damage is one of the biggest issues for the developing world. It's about accountability by the developed world to understand the impact its business practices can have on indigenous people and to agree to pay for it. But it's more than that. It's about changing a colonial mindset to appreciate that not everyone wants to live by the developed world's rules.
2: Um, I come from an indigenous family, myself, in and, and Nicaragua, and in the indigenous tradition, we don't own the world. The world owns us. So that's a totally different perspective to understand and People, they're, they're, they're hurt about the forest being destroyed. The, they want to um, hunt. Yeah, They want to live in the rivers, the rivers being contaminated by mining. And mostly these companies in my country are, are Western companies, mining and, and all that. So I think it's very important that you, in, here from the UK, there's more accountability of what UK companies are doing abroad. Because some of these companies follow the law in their, in their countries, but when they're outside, they don't, they don't follow the law.
0: While the Blue Zone was where all the decisions were being made, we also got the chance to put on events in the Green Zone and some of the fringe areas around the city. Glasgow was transformed, and the streets were full of activists, policymakers, and colourful Indigenous people with huge feathered headdresses who had come to highlight the destructive impact climate change was already having on their homelands. There was, of course, a huge security presence with armed police and high fences around the Blue Zone but everywhere else was a party atmosphere with demonstrators singing and dancing and exchanging ideas as they chatted and mingled. One of our panel discussions was at the Extreme Hangout, a very cool docked old ferry on the Clyde that had been decked out, especially for these youth events. From a regenerative
10: food forest, you can feed 200 families on three or four acres.
0: Arizona Muse is a British American model who shared the stage to discuss food waste with Aziz, our global leader from Nigeria, and Jamie Crummy from Too Good To Go, the app that shares surplus food with communities to reduce waste. As they talked about how to feed the world in a more sustainable way, Arizona was clear that Mother Earth has the answers. The Earth can produce so much bounty of food
10: that we don't have a food problem. We have a how-do-we-grow-food problem. So if we just transition into regenerative techniques, biodynamics offers a lot of those, we would be able to f- feed everyone in a much more localized way on probably much healthier diets. Because after all, is it fair to expect that the whole world should be happy eating rice and corn and soy? Because I don't think that that is a healthy diet from all the books I've read on nutrition. I think it's pretty common knowledge that that's not all right to expect that people who can't afford to buy vegetables should just have rice. It's, so I think that it's the way that we grow. Which is the problem, not the the quantity. That will sort itself out if we if we address the way in which we're growing.
1: As agreed, but working with small farmers is
8: also about helping them rethink the relationship with the land. All right. So uh, for us in Nigeria, part of what we do is to uh, make sure that we work with uh, small scale farmers, you know, directly. So and when we talk about food system, it's not just about the producers. It's across the value chain, talking about from production to consumption. You know, and uh, talking about our food waste It's actually very important for us to start adding value to what we do. Most of the vegetables uh, are highly perishable, so we need to start uh, doing something like a staple processing zone where we get to process you know all these things before it gets and you know and we really need to work around making our food system more sustainable and you know, more efficient for every one of us. We need to start uh, taking care of the, the mother earth. So the idea is that as we are planting, we are also keeping the trees because these are the trees that, that will actually help to reduce uh, the, the greenhouse emission that comes, you know, from uh, various activities. Because we all know that climate change activities are most of the uh, challenges around climate change are human-induced, you know, uh, activities. So we really need to see how uh, we get involved in making sure that we keep. The carbon in the soil—it's actually very important.
0: Jamie Crummy has made a successful business helping us to rethink food waste with his surplus food sharing app. He says that there are masses of opportunities for good tech to provide solutions to the problems across the whole food system. You
6: know, when we're talking about the the problems within within our food system, and we're and we're talking about the issues of food waste, you know, I often break these down into three areas. You know, we have the environmental implications of food waste. You know, the fact that food waste accounts for 10% of the world's greenhouse gas emissions, which means that if food waste was a country, you know, it would be the third largest greenhouse gas emitter after the US and China. It's also a huge financial problem. You know, food waste costs the global economy $1.2 trillion every single year. Now, again, that just is mind-boggling, you know, and to try and put that $1.2 trillion into context... You know, that's the uh, gross domestic product of the, of the 15th largest global economy in the world, Mexico. So we're spending more uh, on throwing food away. And I'm smiling because it really is shocking uh, we're spending more on throwing food away than, than the entire uh, GDP of, of large member states. Now I think that there itself is, is something huge. But there's also, as you say, the the social implications when we talk about food waste. You know, the fact that there's 870 million people that go to bed hungry every single night and even more people that are classified as as food insecure. So our platform uh, very much addresses the environmental issues and the financial implications. And there is an element of of socialness which we can address, which is through the accessibility to food. But you are right, uh, uh, what we are uh, leaning on is technology. And at the heart of our solution is is tech for good. And what we do is often collaborate with other organisations to have a greater impact when when we're talking about food insecurity. Uh, So um, most recently, here in the UK, we've partnered with organisations like Fairshare, which are the largest um, uh, food redistribution charity here in the UK, but also with local food banks to ensure that we can supplement the food that, um, that food insecure people are getting when they're collecting an emergency food parcel. And we can try and break down some of those barriers around dignity um, and, and the stigma attached to it.
0: These issues about food are so complex that it takes all the stakeholders around the world to understand how to solve them for the sake of the planet. Aziz told us how some of the Nigerian farmers he works with feel when they're faced with climate catastrophe.
8: I, they, they just feel they have been, been punished by God for their sins or something. Like that. No, it is climate change and you really need to understand it. And who can blame them for millions of species? climate change is already biblical. A lot, of, a lot of animals are going into extinction and uh, we really don't care. It is actually very important for us to, you know, start dialoguing on, 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 on global solutions to actually get things, you know, working for us and also working for them.
6: I think I'd echo what's just been mentioned there, which is this highlights the complexity of our food systems. Now, um, you know, we, we've talked a lot about food waste. We can talk about animal production. Uh, we can talk about regenerative farming, all of these sorts of things. But it really highlights how complex our food system is and how we need so, so many solutions from a climate perspective, uh, but also from a social perspective and an e- economical perspective, to, to actually unpack this and, and, and drive towards solutions. I think we need to look at what our reality is. And you talk about um, uh, indigenous communities' relationships with, um, with, with meat and things like that. And um, you know, I think it's, it's very different to what we have in the developed world. But by all means, taking, food, uh, taking meat out of our, our diets right now just isn't a reality. So we need to have transitional steps which move this because we're talking about communities around the world and you've got to remember the amount of the people who are, are employed um, within, um, uh, within some of these practices. So we've got to think of the big picture and, and, and have transitional steps which, which are good for people but also good for planet.
0: Working with governments and talking to businesses... It's all we young people want to do. We are the generation bursting with energy and ideas. Rayan is an Act for Food, Act for Change youth leader from Beirut in Lebanon, and he spent most of his days attending events in the Blue Zone. There were over 40,000 delegates from over 180 countries, and the stands and country pavilions went on for thousands of square meters. Huge art installations from digital imagery of climate change and a giant ceramic polar bear filled the halls a massive illuminated globe hung in the center of the main arena. More visitors from around the world took endless selfies before rushing to their next meetings. It was a great place to talk about change.
3: This was a good day. We had our first ever Arab-led session on communicating the climate crisis to Arab youth. That was a very successful event where young Arab leaders from all across the Arab world were gathered and they shared their experiences, the hardships and the barriers that they had to face in order to arrive at COP26, but also the barriers preventing them from meaningfully engaging in climate action. And then we now have a small group of these Arab youth leaders who um, who will join forces to improve the situation of the climate or to advocate for climate justice in the Arab region. And in the Act for Food, Act for Change-led event, we spoke about having plant-based diets pushed forward on the climate agenda and why aren't food systems included in the nationally determined contributions of countries, which are the plans every country has to commit to based on the Paris Agreement. Uh, and they're, and they're updated every five years. Changing our diets and having nature-positive food production will spur land to the application of nature-based solutions, which will benefit indigenous communities, biodiversity, and the climate. So this is what we will be advocating for tomorrow as a, as a campaign, as an organization with Youth for Nature as well, and with, and with other youth-led organizations.
1: Yumna had been on a panel about single-use plastic am still buzzing as she recorded her ordeal daily.
7: So yeah, I spoke about pollution, um, plastic pollution in particular, um, and how you know single-use plastics um, and you know the impact that you know it has on the marine life and um, aquatic environment and, and ecological systems and you know 40% um of plastic is single use plastic it's a it's a bag that you buy at a shop it's it's those sorts of things it's a bottle that you use once but then when you throw it away it it goes into the environment for like 400 years like and it in it's in it's devastating like we can do so much more about it and i found out that only one country in the whole world cape verde uh, the only country in the whole world who actually has a law on the the amount of plastic that is produced i mean that is it's crazy only one country in the world only one country in the world has a limit on plastic production and plastic is, is is expected to be the fifth biggest emitter of greenhouse gases by 2030 like that is crazy scientists and researchers are saying that it's going to be the new coal i mean wow Wow, wow, wow. And we are not even talking about it. And so that's why we as young people, we're here at COP. And we're going to do something about this. And we are going to transform and revolutionise the entire food system. But we need government on our side. We need businesses on our side. We need policymakers on our side. We need every single person to recognise The importance of the food system
0: but how can real change happen if the brilliant ideas coming from young people from all around the world are not being fed into the decision-making process as we settled into the second week which was all about policy and implementation we realized that many of the young leaders who had official observer status were not allowed in the room bernice had been the last three cops as one of the very few accredited observers They're supposed to be right at the heart of the plenary sessions as the leaders of the world write their agreements.
2: We are frustrated, yes. But more important than that, we are planning what we're going to do about it. Because people from around the world came in the middle of a climate crisis and the UK was the greatest opportunity and we came here with all the hope that change will be made and the strength of the Paris Agreement will be built. But what we're seeing here is a lack of transparency and they making decisions in secret rooms. All the big groups in COP26, like Friday for the Future, like the indigenous group, like the NGOs from Latin America, and groups like Act for Food, Act for Change, with UK ambassadors that are on ground are saying that, that they're not included. Bernice decided to deliver an open letter signed by
1: 50 youth leaders from all over the world to COP president Alec Sharma.
2: Well, this letter was billed with the input of the Act for Food, Act for Change UK ambassadors, the international ambassadors from different parts of the world, like Nigeria, Brazil, Nicaragua, Canada. It's a, a international document and it has the support of people from around the world. COP26 is a Green Watch festival organized by the Global North countries. I want them to invite the people that will suffer their decisions, indigenous groups, youth people from Global North and Global South, to understand what their are these decisions that will affect everybody. And if Alec Sharma
1: was too busy for him, Baroness Rosie Boycott, journalist, food campaigner, a member of the House of Lords, found time to listen to Bernice and fellow youth leader Stephanie Sargent.
0: Hello and welcome, Baroness Boycott. Um, thank you for meeting us on such short notice.
9: Oh, Stephanie, it's a pleasure. And please call me Rosie. <laughs> and hi, Bernice, it's great to meet you both. So how's it been coming to Glasgow?
0: cold (laughs) it's rather cold (laughs) but they weren't there to talk about the weather and rosie was keen to find out what the issue was really all about and what she could do to help.
2: Okay, so I think it's very important. Like, the main part that we were here is because we're seeing this. Like, I was in previous COP, and it wasn't like this. Like, okay, I worked, I was yeah, in Madrid. I was able to get into the rooms. Nothing nothing happened. In Germany,
9: in Bonn, also, nothing. So you nothing. could be a witness to negotiations?
2: Yes, I was a witness in negotiation, and they, and they, they used to let me into the rooms. But we're seeing a regress, regression and uh, environmental democracy. Each COP is getting more excluded and excluded. And this is like the, the highest top of exclusion that I ever see. My friend from Nicaragua, he actually went into the room and then they kicked them out. Like what, here? Yeah, here. Here, they kicked them out of the room. What was
9: the room he went into? Uh, he was... To
2: the plenary, where the negotiations are, where the parties are making decisions in the name of society. And he went in, they let him in, but then they kicked him out. Who kicked him out? The security of the place kicked them out. We don't know why they let him in and then they kick him out. So this is the things that we are seeing in on ground that are warriors, like why you want to take decisions that will affect the whole world in secret. Mm. Why? Because our role as observers is to inform the general public that has the right to know what they are deciding
9: on their behalf. So, Bernice, you have a past, don't you, to get you into this fabled blue zone? And it says on it in very large letters that you're an observer. So what were you able to observe? The computers
2: and the workshops, but I was not able to observe the actual negotiation. I've been in three COPs before, and this never happened. So for me, it's very important because the UK is leading this. It's the UK presidency, it's the UK legacy Of the world, so I think it's very important that the UK sent a message to the rest of the world, especially where Latin America, where our democracies are hurting. Mm -hmm. uh, The UK should send a strong message of inclusion and not what's going on right now. And I not being able to get in the negotiation rooms, and I'm with a bigger delegation of Latin American countries, and they all been saying the same thing. They don't let us into the room. So
9: these are Latin American NGOs, campaigners, and they've got Observer on their badges and they're not allowed into the room?
2: Yeah, they're not allowed into the room. For the first time I ever see this happen, not everybody gets into the negotiation, like, not everybody's doing that. It's a small group of servers that have really qualified to understand what's going on that follow this part. So it's not like hundreds of people want to get into the plenary. Usually nobody wants to get into the plenary because there's very boring conversations, but technical people. Wanted to be there to understand and especially inform the general public about the decision that they're making and they perhaps.
9: As a politician, I I will do everything I can to try to get this issue up the up the agenda because I think it's truly outrageous and I think building on your point about the fact that President Obama was here and that as you said, adults were in the room again rather than young people and yet he's out there appealing to young people and it seems to be the story all the way across this. Yeah. Um, so you must be very disappointed
2: I'm very disappointed and angry but um, I'm happy at the same time and I will tell you why because the solutions are not in the blue zone as youths we understand that very clear now and it's very important that we were here to tell the world what was going on so I'm very happy to make this letter talking to you and uh, to make everybody knows in the world what they're doing because that will set a message of what they're doing, and everybody will know what they're doing. That's why it's so important to be an observer, to observe what the governments are deciding on our behalf. And I will tell you what I have hope, why I have so many hope, because I know all these young people. I know them. I know how hard they work. So I know that we will launch and we will go to the streets to make this change. If the politicians does not want to make the change, that will not stop us because we believe in a better society, we believe in a better future, and we are optimistic. we we not just complainers, but we're not going to do it just in the policy space where it's failing. We're going to go to the street to campaign with education, building wells, getting better food for, for the kids, getting healthy food. So we are activated, and we have a dream of a better world, and we're going to work to get that dream done.
9: Well, I'm sorry that my generation is such a Flop. <laughs> no, it's very, it's, it's very distressing that we have this conference that, you know, we have all pinned a lot on and that you, who are the people it's all about, feel excluded. It makes me ashamed. Well, one of the things you can do is talk to people like me, who can immediately start badgering the powers that be about changing the COP because we've seen the energy and the passion and the commitment of all the young people in Glasgow through the rain, through the shine Um, and that we are, you know, we are the people at the other end of this chain and we have to, it's not even a question of relinquishing the power, we have to share it and give it over and make the tougher decisions and it's not good enough that we have this many people from the meat industry and this many people from the oil and the fossil fuel industries dominating the conversation at the COP it's just not good enough and I feel sad that none of us knew it. But the thing is, we do now. And as you say, you sort of know what your enemy is a bit more from this one, although it's uh, it's, it's bad doings.
2: Thank you so much. And I want to comment a little bit in Latin America, what, what, what mm-hmm. we're, what, what's our reality there. So there's a important problem, loss and damage, is that all the things that are already being lost. And when we talk about food security, these hurricanes that hit my country destroy the food security of the people, like destroy their, their crops, yep. they destroy everything. So I think it's very important to give assistance to them. I know the Scottish government and one of the few good news about about the summit offers one million mm-hmm. pounds to to finance loss and damage. So I think that's, that's very important.
9: We have a good group in the House of Lords called Peers of the Planet. We're about 160 people now and we do really try and work across the board on legislation. It's slow, it's much slower than it should be, but Things have changed. The question is, have they changed fast enough and have they changed in the right way? I mean, we all have to just keep working. Anyway, it's fantastically good to meet you both. And I'm really impressed. And I really hope we stay in touch.
0: Nearly 200 world leaders worked into the last weekend to sign an agreement that makes some progress, but ultimately doesn't go far enough to avoid climate catastrophe for so many people we met at COP26. They pledged new reductions in carbon emissions a real plan to limit deforestation and made a commitment to double the proportion of climate finance going to help developing countries adapt to climate change. There was still no move to help countries like Fiji and Nicaragua that are already suffering from hurricanes and devastating weather patterns, or the loss and damage reparations that we've heard so much about at COP. And food Despite all our campaigning, marching, and panel discussions, food and farming was barely mentioned in the final agreement. But there's always next year, and Ryan, our youth leader from Lebanon, was already looking forward to it.
3: One last thing, as as an Arab youth, uh, being involved next year at COP27, which will be hosted in Egypt, in Sharam al-Sheikh, uh, there are a lot of discussions within youth civil societies in Africa and in the Middle East to sort of construct a community that will able to host and leverage the voices. So we look forward as youth and as the campaigns that we're following to be able to be included within those uh, preparations for next year.
1: Thanks for listening. And you can follow our campaigns for a better food system. By following us through social media and online at foodfoundation.org.uk.
0: And you can find out more about Act for Food, Act for Change at our website, actionsforfood.org. <laughs>